that's context. That's really important. <clears throat> I think I touched on this maybe one time. There's a, there's a verse that says, uh, the New Testament says, uh, not the putting on of apparel. So according to that, according to that, we're not supposed to wear clothes. Now that's what it says. Context. It says, not the braiding of your hair. Let's see. Anybody lose your soul here? Well, that's what it says. It says, not to, uh, not to wear gold. Now, the Bible does say that. Look at the context. If that's your focus, to draw attention to yourself, uh, then that, that, that's what uh, Paul's talking about. And there are many others. There are those that stole, steal, and where you put the commas, those that have stole, steal, no more working with your hands. That's what it says. So in other words, the Bible's saying, keep on stealing, don't work with your hands. Is that what it says? No. <laughs> we hope not. <clears throat> Context, that kind of thing. So but you can't just make the Bible say anything you want it to say. Um, so that's context. Thank you. Um, number two there I had, always seek the full counsel of the Word of God. What, what do you think that means? Uh, full counsel, the whole counsel. The sum of thy word is true. It's first cousin to context, really. You can't just take a, a verse way over here and build a doctrine around it, even though people do that. Um, you can't just you can't just take an isolated verse, isolated verse, and if it flies in the face of all the other verses, then that's the, that's wrong. Tonight's lesson. No, yeah, yeah. Just real quick, tonight's lesson was really good on that with the elders. Yes, because uh, it says elders in your flock. That's right, Mike. And, and then Acts says that we were appointed them in all churches. There you go. Not not one to be all for all of them. Uh, yeah, we get all the Bible. That's a really good point. Kind of hold on that a little bit with you, but we're coming to that. I, but I, that you're 100 percent right. Now, uh, and if it's confusing to you, at least to me, if I read something that's confusing, I think, well, where else can I find this that might make it a little more yeah. clear? Yeah. Uh, and uh, usually there's somewhere that there, will clarify. Yes, you're right. Thank mm -hmm. you for that. Um, <clears throat> I had a thought there. Senior moment. moment. That's okay. Then we'll move right on. <laughs> I think it's okay. Number three. Um, remember that Scripture will never contradict Scripture. Is that true? Yes. It has to be true just by who we're dealing with. Because if we say that, that, well, you know, that's just the way you look at it, you interpret it or whatever. I know we're all on different, same road, different roads going to the same place. All that sounds wonderful. It's just not biblical. Um, so the Bible is not going to contradict itself. If it does, it reflects on God. It's almost like God's sitting there in His chair on His throne going, oh, I missed that one. Boy, they got me up. No, 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 no. No, but Scripture does not contradict itself. If it does, one of you is wrong, both of you are wrong, but you both cannot be right. You think that's true? 
In some cases, you can be having a little discussion, maybe both wrong. That, that, that can happen. But you're not both right. And you have to go to the Scriptures to, 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 look, to look at that. So, Scripture doesn't contradict Scripture. Don't base your conviction on an obscure passage of Scripture. We've just kind of hit that already with the, the kind of funny, the clothing and the putting on, braiding your hair and gold and that kind of thing. You can't just lift that out. You, you just can't. No. When you look at context of Scripture, we back there? No, this is the same point. Okay. <laughs> but we talked about, we've got the immediate context, you've got the remote context, and you've got the extended context. When you start looking at context of Scripture, just talking about Jesus, the context is from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. And when you start taking some of these other things, people will always hop on Ephesians 2 verse 8. By grace you are saved through faith. And they leave it right there. That's the immediate context. And if you go to verse 10, you find out it's a little bit deeper. That's right. If you go to the extended context, to Romans chapter 6, yeah. you find out there's a whole bunch more. And when you look at that subject of salvation, it is literally bits and pieces scattered throughout it that you've got to gather up in one file. You do. And take the whole thing. Oh, that, that, that's true. We've talked about that. The Bible says you're saved by hope. Is that true? No. The Bible says you're saved by faith. Is that true? Yes. The Bible says you're saved when you confess His name. Is that true? The Bible says you're saved in 1 Peter 3.21 that you're saved when you're baptized. Is that true? Now, which one's true? Yes. They're all true. They're all true. Well, and one's not, you know, people, members of the church get accused of this sometimes. Well, you're the people, you know, you, you think that baptism's all you got to do. We don't say that. We've never said that. The, the Bible doesn't say that. But you, if you baptize somebody that doesn't, not willing to confess that Jesus is nothing, all they did is get wet. Or if they didn't repent, well, I, you know, I'm a pretty good person, but I'll go ahead and be baptized. You're just going to get wet. You have to repent and do all these, all these steps, and that's just very, very biblical, Brad. I was going to say, in terms of context, we're talking about context. Some people try to use that to prove some other doctrine or something else religiously. Uh, but they're talking about that scripture does not contradict scripture. More often than not, I see people trying to find discrepancies in the Bible, taking things out of context to try to to juxtapose them to each other and say, well, how can I believe the Bible if there's contradictions in it? But it's taken totally out of context. Yeah. Kind of the other side of the coin. You remember when the, they were, the Watergate, you know, a lot of most people weren't more, a lot of you weren't, but Watergate uh, back in the, with Richard Nixon. And they said that uh, the, the Bible predicted Watergate and said they went to the Watergate uh, you know, in the Old Testament. <laughs> and, and they did that. See, very biblical. And it talks. They did say go that they went to the water gate. So yeah. what did they do when they got there? Yeah, but it's, it's not context of Richard Nixon. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, so, you know, you've got to be reasonable about it. The Lord gave us a brain. I like for you people to think a little bit. And, and not don't just follow all because somebody says that. Um... What about literally? Interpret the Scripture literally? Yes. In all cases? No. But you, you interpret it literally unless the context says you can't. Remember Jesus told, you go and tell, talking about Herod, you go and tell that fox, that old fox. Now, was he saying that Herod was a literal fox? No. 
it's a poetic license, and, you know, metaphors and all that kind of thing. So we have to kind of, you take it at face value unless you can't take it at face value. You know, the book of Ezekiel, the book of Revelation, and, and those kinds of things. And Daniel. And Daniel. I saw a t-shirt there that said, think, it's not illegal yet. The what? It said, think, it's not illegal yet. No, it's I all saw the way. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's all the way. And there are different literary styles. God is brilliant. Uh, historical, prophetic, biographical, didactic, which is just a fancy word for teaching style. You know, we have lessons that we teach and lessons that we do, you know, all that. Poetic, Psalms, Song of Solomon, um, uh, proverb, proverbial, obviously, and then uh, letters or epistles in the New Testament, all of that. Uh, and then don't twist the verses. Now, I think that we run into sometimes people like that. You just take the Bible for what it says, and how far do you take it? You take it as far as it goes. Um, whether I really, I wish that wasn't there. But it's still there. You know, Matthew 19, Matthew 5, one man, one woman for life, unless there's sexual immorality. Now, I didn't write it. Now, our society certainly doesn't believe it, but is that true? Yeah. Is that difficult? It can be. It can be. So what do you do? You do the hard things if that's necessary. What I, that, that one doesn't bother me. I mean, you know, personally. But the one I wish wasn't there that give thanks for everything. Now, there's some things that I find it real hard to be thankful for. But, you know, yeah. it's there. Yeah, things, sometimes things aren't easy. They're not easy. It wasn't easy hanging on a cross. <laughs> so, it's okay. Now, chapter 5 exercise. Um, chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. I guess I'll be more specific. We, we're going to look at, hopefully put some flesh on these bones that we've tried to, um, we went over on, on Saturday. And uh, has anybody ordered any, uh, anybody ordered any uh, books yet? Yes. Just curious. Good. You did, Janelle? What? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you already ordered. You said that we had... Okay. I'm going to do a classroom thing. <laughs> the Vines app is for you. I was able to download that Vines app. Silence, it can be very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it. Well, I can do it. I can do it in school. Oh, yeah. what we did last night. Oh, what we did last night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, 1 Peter 5. We want to take these principles that we've learned and see if we can't apply them uh, to apply them to First Peter five. They could be any chapter, any book. I, I just chose that one. Uh, that's the one that uh, the author of that um, that book that Don Long me used, and I thought it was really good. So you know, that's what we'll do. Develop chapter themes. Um, What I like to do is go to, now we're only talking about five. I, I, I didn't say you had to go out and do the, do all the previous four or the one or two after. But yeah, I like the idea of developing chapter themes and highlighting even 
those words it could be a different color if you like call it thematic if you, if you wish but um, words that are key to that particular chapter or that particular book for example um, the word precious the word precious in the previous four chapters I think seven six six times the word precious is used um, and that's God's highlighter underliner bold italic his way of getting our attention or he wouldn't have used it seven times um, look at and, and, uh, chapter 1 uh, verse 7 now, a lot of these talking about Jesus himself. Uh, talking about Jesus himself, for example, in, in, in 1 Peter 1 and verse 7, uh, well, in this case, it's talking about the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold. Uh, in 1 verse 19, I think this is one, yeah. The precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish or spot. Chapter 2 and verse 4. Uh, coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Talking about Jesus. Uh, and drop down to verse 7. Therefore to who, uh, to you who believe he, who is he? Christ. Jesus. Is precious. Um, chapter 2 and verse 6. Oh, uh, skip one. Behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect and precious. Talking about Jesus. And then in 3 and verse 4, um, rather let, <clears throat> let it be the hidden uh, person of the heart while the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit is very precious in the sight of God, a, a, a quiet spirit. So my feeling in First uh, Peter is that if, if God's willing to use a word six times, I should be willing to figure out that word. And the word precious means, where would I look, where would I find the word precious if I didn't know what it meant 2,000 years ago? W.E. Vines, Expository Dictionary, says, costly, very expensive, of great value. So when he's talking about Jesus in a lot of these, and our faith, costly, very expensive, of great value. God's saying, hello. I've used this word six times. Make sure you understand costly, very expensive, of great value. Don? That particular word in its form that's used in verse 7 mm -hmm. is only used twice in Scripture. Once here and once over in Matthew. Well, where in Matthew? And it's referring to the very costly life of the Christ. Okay. Yeah. Very precious, costly, very expensive. So he's sending us that message. Um, the word precious is very precious in the book of 1 Peter. Very costly, very expensive, very important, of great value. He's talking about Jesus most of the time. He's talking about our soul, too. Is our soul of great value. How, how, how valuable is our soul? Priceless. If a man gain the whole world, lose his own soul, you got the short end of the stick. And there are people that do that. The majority do that. Okay. Yeah, very good. Chapter 2, verse 4, precious. 
mm -hmm. is talking about the value as seen by the Gentiles. Okay. What what they see in in our worship and the things that we honor are viewed as very important and should be looked up to. It's still, you know, precious, but you, you get these alternate meanings well, you based do. on the. But it's interesting too. That's a little side point. That's an interesting point, Don. That um, how precious in that context is our faith to the world? Sometimes it has got to be. What if I don't think I'm going to come on Sunday? Or what if I don't? It's a long way on Wednesday night. Well, it is. People are watching. Is it precious? Very costly. Very important. Uh, very expensive to you. They are watching. You can take it to the bank. They're watching how, how important, how precious it is. And we don't have to tell them it's very precious. They see our lives. Very important. Um, develop chapter themes. What would you guys come up with um, in chapter 5? There's not a right or wrong answer. I mean, what you think is important it's all important, but maybe I didn't have as a thing. Okay, encouragement is very important in chapter 5. Now, that's a good one. Now I'm going to ask this question. Why do they need encouragement in chapter 5? They're being persecuted. They're suffering. They're suffering. He said, Jesus did too. Your brethren throughout the world, he called it the brotherhood in the New King James, in the New King James, brotherhood. And and then he goes on to say, Oh, by the way, what? Jesus suffered, your brethren are suffering, and oh by the way, you're going to too. And you're going to need encouragement because of this. And you're going to need, of course, a root word of encouragement, I guess, is courage. You're going to need courage too. It takes courage. I found um, out in a loving chair also, the first, okay. the first few verses, I, I felt, you know, the, the care that the elders are to have for the congregation. It's to be loving. Maybe they're being nosy. Huh? Maybe the elders are just nosy. Well, maybe they are. It's <laughs> <laughs> a possibility. It's crazy. It's a not, 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 not really. No, uh, but, but. Well, I have known one or two. <laughs> well, <laughs> but not here. <laughs> but it, you know, it, it just gives me the the warm fuzzies uh, to think that somebody cares enough about me that they'll put their cares aside to watch what I'm there and ask questions, be nosy. Uh, that cares enough about what I'm doing that they will write me a letter to, of encouragement. Uh, you know, it's it just... Phone call, a text? Yeah. Whatever. That just jumped out at me. Um, no, that, that's true. And, and elders need to be that way. And sometimes we're going to ask questions. And some people perceive that as being, the, we're just concerned about you. We don't want anybody to fall through the cracks. That's happened here before. Um, one time on, on my watch, and, and that's not good. Dude, we, we've got some things now in place, so, that, so that doesn't happen. But uh, you, you got to care. Not only the elders care for each other, or, or for everybody, but what else? Yeah. 
That's right. That's right. Now, one thing I find very <clears throat> interesting about this section is what what did Jesus tell Peter when he asked him, "Do you love me?" Feed my sheep. This section right here is written by the individual that had his finger pointed at him. Feed my sheep. And he was one of those shepherds. And this is admonition and encouragement to those who do the same job and to watch over the flock. It's true. Keeping in mind always the good shepherd's going to come back and give ask for an account. He is. In Hebrews 13, he says, to the shepherds, to the elders. It's almost like saying, don't be too smug there, big boy. Because I'm going to, you stay in the military, I'll put you in a brace. <laughs> you, you'll snap to attention here when you're before me, and you're going to give an, an account for what you said, what you did, and what you didn't do. So, trust me, that, <clears throat> that Hebrews 13 is always at the back of my mind, back of all of our minds. Because we're going to have to give an account for this. I also had the theme of humility and submissiveness. Submissiveness was used a lot, wasn't it? Yes, and humility because you have to be humble to be accountable. Everyone's going to be accountable to God ultimately. And so, you know, there's a, a chain of command. You know, God God's has structure. So that's why we have that accountability. Really good point. I like those. I like those. Anybody else? Well, uh, those are excellent. Uh, one of mine was, and we've been sorted all around it. Persecution will come to all the faithful Christians. Go back to chapter four. I want to say twelve, thirteen, somewhere in there. Uh, read that. What does that say? Yeah. Twelve says, "Beloved, do not be surprised at the yeah. fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you." <clears throat> Yeah, ties in what you're saying, chapter four. When things come your way that 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 are uh, to test you, the, they call it a fiery ordeal. That's that's not a when a cool summer breeze uh, hits you in the face uh, in the summer. He doesn't say that. He said there's a fiery ordeal that we're all going to have to kind of go through, but it produces patience, doesn't it? If you make it. Sometimes people say, "I give up, I quit." Be vigilant because the devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I have steadfast. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, vigilant. You're in the military and you're on duty, guard duty, any kind of duty, and you're asleep. Are you vigilant? No, and you better not be asleep. This will be, you just had a really bad day. You've got to be vigilant. You're vigil. You're, you're, you're watching. You're awake. You're aware. And Melody said, now, the devil is a lion. is a roaring lion. You better be on your guard. Really good. You guys did awesome on that one. <clears throat> List the contrast that you may notice. Contrast that you may notice from 1 Peter 5. Joe. In verse 2, it talks about um, compulsion versus voluntarily. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Like words yeah. That, okay. Who was he talking to there? The elders. Yeah. <laughs> He's saying, if you're an elder and you're in it for some sort of glory, 
or you look, you're in it for some money, or in fact, it just goes the other way. Your money goes the other way. I can tell you firsthand. Um, or you're looking for some uh, because someone forced you, compulsed. You know, well, I feel compulsed to. Uh, no. And what, what was the contract? I don't know if that's a word or not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Voluntarily. Voluntarily. You, you volunteer, yes. Um, and also found, just side note, in, in 1 Peter 5 and verse 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. What, where does an elder's responsibility and authority stop? At the door. There are, no, there are no hierarchies. There's no ecumenical councils that determine what we're going to believe this year. No. You know, one of the denominations going through right now about homosexuality, the preachers and all of that, and they excommunicated, excommunicated a church. Well, I've never heard of that before, but anyway. Um, we are... <clears throat> I don't know. You have to be... Oh, my God, I understand this one. <laughs> uh, we, had, we had windows with, they call them panes. P-A-N-E-S. And as boys, between rocks and uh, BB guns and you know, baseball, stuff like that. Sometimes it happened over oh, Dozen times. <laughs> you broke out a pane. Did that ruin the whole window? No. No. We also had in our house what they call a picture window. A picture window. One big glass. You throw a baseball through that, did it ruin the whole window? It did. God in His wisdom allow me a little bit of flexibility here, sort of made us a, a mosaic of individual windows, individual churches. We stand alone. If something happens to this church, they go off the deep end, does it affect that church? I mean, prayers and you're, you may shed a few tears over, but no, it doesn't. So he's saying, shepherd the church of God that's among you. Because that's all you got is among you. And you're going to have to give an account for the flock among you. And that's where a lot of churches get in trouble. They have these worldwide or statewide or whatever um, events and individual churches give to a, a big church who sends to a, an institution in Africa who gives it. Of course, everybody's getting their cut long way. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. Well, by making their own rules, instead of following God's rules, they make their own problems. Because by not allowing like priests and nuns to marry, that causes the problem. It, it does. It really does. Thank you. That's good. Um, now, what about some other contrasts? I've got four or five here. Right. Uh, I, one I had along with the elders was uh, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to them. Ah. <clears throat> An elder should never ask anything of a member that he has not done himself or that he's willing to do. True. Yeah. And Lord, another version says, Master. We have one master. 
That's Jesus. He said, you elders, you shepherds, you presbyters, you um, uh, pastors, you all of that. Overseers, they all have just the same office. It just identifies different facets of that office. Um, do not lord it over, notice this, my people. Look in, um, look in verse 3. Nor is being lords over those, what? Entrusted to you. He didn't say that uh, your people. He said, oh, they're my people. I want you to look after them. That's what shepherds do. They're not your people. They're, they're the, you're, you're one of those people in that local church. Uh, but don't, don't lord it over them. Don't, don't, you're not the master here. I am. They're, I entrusted them to you. You see the difference there. It's big. It's huge. Mike? Just, this goes with Nelma's self-interpretation of the Bible. Don't lord over me. It's none of your business. You don't need to be over me. I'll take care of it. If I need you, I'll come to you. Yeah. And that's a lot. People read this verse and say, you don't have any business doing this. Well, they don't look at the good shepherd and what he did to his flock while he was here on earth. He chastised his flock, his people, mm -hmm. for not following the will of God. That's true. Jesus had a, a parable. He said that if, if a person has, a shepherd has a hundred sheep and 99 are safe, well, that's a pretty good percentage. So, good, 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 good job. Good job. No. You leave the 99 that are okay, you better get on the trail of that one. If a woman has, was it 10 coins? 10 coins, I think. And she loses one, what is she going to do? Is she going to diligently try to find that coin? Says she'll sweep that house sweep till she finds it. That's getting pretty drastic. <laughs> Depends on what kind of coin it is. <laughs> The gold coin, we get all heads on deck. <laughs> if it's a penny, I will. The next order again. Oh, oh my word. Can't be. Um, well, then we'll take Sunday and we'll keep going. Um, list any comparisons. Uh, the devil is a roaring lion. Compare. When you see the words as or like, they're comparing something. Like, as, the devil as a roaring lion. Um, anybody have any others there? The younger and the elder. Yes. Uh, the younger people are be what? Ooh, there's that word again. Particularly this generation. Snowflakes, they don't hear that. <laughs> I, well, no, I, I shouldn't. Uh, never mind. Uh, young, it, it doesn't have to be younger people. It can be older people. Is that not true? Yes, true. I'm not being submissive to you. So we've had them actually say that. Well, you got bigger problems than me, I'll tell you that. Uh, but younger people be submissive to the elders. Now, elders, be careful. Don't lord it over them. You're not their master. He goes on to say. Um, all of you clothed yourselves. That's right. Toward one so who's supposed to be submissive to whom? Every one of us. 
to be submissive to one another. In other words, put each other first. Now, boy, there's a hard one. Is that easy? No. Did Jesus do that? Did he have to do that? I, I think Peter knew that's why he was emphasizing that the younger people be submissive to the elders because they they needed to be reinforced at this point because Peter knew he wasn't going to be around much right. longer. Right, that's true. I want to drop down to number five, and we'll talk more about this on Sunday. I got to thinking, and, and uh, I got a phone call, and it made sense to me when I wrote all this, and but it didn't make sense to her, and I'm going... Now that you say that, it does, you know, I need to amplify. <laughs> uh, mark time comparison. You're going, dude, what does that mean? A lot of words. That's three words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Here's what I look for in that. Now, you're not going to see, or at least most of them, you know, the seventh year of Artaxerxes, you can just trace that down. We got all that back in the Old Testament. But um, on Thursday at 9 p.m., this is going to happen. The Lord doesn't do that. But notice in verse 10, suffer for a little while. That's a little time comparison that God wants us to catch. Um, so you've got to suffer for a little while. The comparison is not brought out there because the, the four things that are mentioned, we're going to experience through eternity. The perfection and, and all of that. That's it. Yes. Suffer for a little while here. But you're going to be perfected. That's right. No, that's a good point. And he goes on in another place, just a few verses after that. God has called us to eternal glory. That's what I mean by a time frame, which is kind of what Don was saying there. You're going to suffer for a little while. You may as well just get mentally prepared for that's going to happen. But it's just for a little while. Life here as opposed to life everlasting. And he said, but God called us to eternal glory. That's what I meant by marked time comparison. I, I'm sorry I didn't explain that a little, little uh, uh, clear, more clearly. And thanks to Sheila for bringing that up to me. Otherwise, I, you know, sometimes you know, teachers can assume things. And they still go, I don't know what you're talking about. They didn't all go to the same school. That's true. Oh, that's true. All right, so we will finish up. Now, i got something else for you. Um, yeah, I got front and back. I didn't mean to do them front and back. I want to leave you screen for notes. But um, anyway, front and back. I'm hoping the last couple of classes to... That, and I, I just entitled it Thoughts About God's Providence. Thoughts on God's Providence. And we're going to talk about contrasting miracles with providence. We're going to talk about somebody. It's a topic that intrigues us all. And when we walk out of here, we may go, I think I know a little bit more than I used to, but that's deep stuff. And it is deep stuff. So I'm hoping we'll finish maybe the half of the class on these last, <clears throat> last of your exercise. We'll kick into uh, the providence thoughts about the providence of God based on the Bible and how much we can determine from that. And then uh, we'll do that. We'll finish that up next Wednesday. At least I'm like, no. What? Sing it next Wednesday. Sing it next Wednesday. Sing it next Wednesday. Okay.
Well, we're going to have a lot done Sunday. We're going to have a lot done Sunday. Because the following Sunday is the review, I presume, after the I think that's right. No. We're just going to continue on in the next quarter because we may have it. I know. I know. But at least you've got the thoughts on Providence, and you can do that. Really interesting study. Extremely interesting. You can do that at your desk at home. But I hope we get started at least. We're getting close.